0: Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams. And today I'm very excited to introduce our guest, Claire Hanna, who covers my beloved Ottawa Senators and the Red Blacks for TSN. Thanks so much for taking the time, Claire, especially I know you're jet lagged. So uh, (laughs) I appreciate I appreciate you making the time and, and coming on.
1: Jet lagged by only three hours, okay? I sound a little soft. It's not like I came from Europe, but yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Alex. You
0: sound sound great. You sound great. (laughs) I I first wanted to to start off a little bit. Some of the listeners might not know, but you had a great volleyball career and and not just that, you had an inspirational story of being cut um, and then making it to UBC's volleyball team and winning the national championship and making the Canadian national team and having a pro career so maybe just tell us a little bit about your career and your journey
1: well it's okay like it actually feels like it was a long time ago now Alex because <laughs> when I started at UBC it was 2004 and when I finished my volleyball career with the national team it was 2013 and now it's like 2023 so I I can't even believe it was 10 years ago that I finished playing volleyball um but it was you know I actually think there were so many parallels to my volleyball career, to my broadcasting career. Yeah. And um, the biggest like thing I always tell people about is stay flexible. Because when I started playing volleyball, I was um, an outside middle hitter. Like I, I was an attacker. But when I finished my volleyball career and had the most success, I had changed to what is called the libero, which is yeah. a defensive specialist. So for hockey terms, I always say I went from a forward to a goalie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It, it couldn't be more different. Um, but for me, the the big lesson there was that I probably was never going to have success as an attacker because I I know I'm tall. If you meet me, but
0: for volleyball. volleyball,
1: I am not tall, and I also don't jump. I never jumped very well. I I worked so hard on my vert in the gym, but I just like I couldn't reach a level that other people could reach naturally and with hard work. So anyways, I switched positions and that's really where things accelerated. And also I was stubborn. I just really didn't want to give up on that dream. Mm -hmm. And even though people told me I didn't have a future in volleyball, I was just like, nope, screw you. I feel like I do. So those were those two things. But then when I got to broadcasting, um, I got laid off at one point in my career. Mm -hmm. You know, It was really hard to find opportunities. I worked hard. And so I think there was a lot of um, importance on being flexible there too. So it was, it was a really good lesson. Like I've learned a lot of lessons through volleyball that have transferred that I still think about today, but I still stuck at jumping and I'm probably really rusty. If you ever get me out of volleyball court now,
0: <laughs> no, no, as someone who's tried to play volleyball and have a bunch of friends play that play like university volleyball, I always could jump about two inches. So I definitely can relate with, with that. We and, called and, it a
1: credit card jump. When you yeah no, that's what my like friends
0: called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same <laughs> for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it's the credit card uh, hops, as as we used to always say. Um, and so, so when you were in school at UBC and doing your pro career, I know you you worked at the school newspaper. You did color commentary at that time. Were you did you see it as a possible career on top of volleyball, or were you pretty dead set on volleyball?
1: Yeah, I'm, I try to think back to those times. And when I started doing play, or sorry, not play by play, when I started doing color commentary for the men's volleyball team, um, it was, first of all, it wasn't, I wasn't doing it every game. I was doing it somewhat frequently, but it was kind of just an interest. I'd say at that point, a hobby. And I feel like a lot of university students and even people beyond university are always really wondering, like, what do I want to do? You know, like, what? What do I want to make my career out of? Is my career going to be a passion or is my career just going to be something that I work hard at and make money and then, you know, I'm a weekend warrior and do cool activities then? And so at that point in my life, when I was, you know, doing some writing for the newspaper as well, I was just dabbling. You know, like I was doing a lot of other things that we don't talk about in yeah. podcasts but because they didn't turn into anything, you know? Like I remember I did um uh an urban planning job with the city of Vancouver where I was and like like we don't talk about this or I remember um a part of my university career I actually volunteered and this is kind of nuts with um people who had felonies that were going into halfway houses wow and it was just yeah because I wasn't sure like I don't know if I wanted to you know, pursue a career as a lawyer and things like that. And so I actually had a buddy, I'm not allowed to use his name, but he, um, yeah, he had he had been in jail and he was trying to, you know, it was to help um reintegrate some people into society. So you kind of like mentor them, help them write resumes. So I'm, I'm just saying I did a lot of different things at UBC and it sort of ended up that the broadcasting career was the one that stuck in the end. Like there, But there was a big chunk of time there after UBC when I was playing volleyball for Canada that I didn't really do anything in broadcasting and then I kind of got back into it. So I think it was sort of I was just trying to figure out what I was interested in and mm-hmm it ended up being that broadcasting was the one but I even still think I'm like I don't know maybe I get laid off next week or you know yeah. in 10 years I'm like I want to shake it up I think it's important that we always think about things we're interested in we don't just stay stuck on one thing
0: mm-hmm. and and what was always your interest in, in being a sports journalist and, and and going down that path
1: well because it's the funnest job in the world
0: okay okay <laughs>
1: I mean, it's pretty hard to beat this job. Like I watch sports for a living, right? Sometimes when you're tired, or maybe there's days that I don't know, there's been a lot on my plate, and I'm like, oh, like today feels like I'm tired. I'm like, wait, like I have a self-reflection. I'm like, uh, you get to go watch an NHL game. Like, I'm like, yeah, you're right. This like I have to self-talk a bit. Not and there's trust me, Alex, there's very few of those days. But um, I think because I was an athlete at a at a high level. A professional level um I knew I was just, I just it's such an amazing life and I wanted to stay involved with sports because I have always thought the psychology of sports mm. was really fascinating and when I cover the senators I always am thinking about like how would a player feel about you know yeah. moving from the second d pairing to the third d pairing or you know, if you go from the first line center or, you know, third line center to the first line center, I'm always thinking mentally. I'm like, Ooh, how is that challenging this athlete? How are they feeling about it? Are they happy? Are they sad? And so I just wanted to continue kind of like always having a role in sports to think about those sorts of things. Um, and I also am curious and i storytelling. So those things all go hand in hand. So, um, I, I think, and I've said this, like when I was at UBC doing some writing for the newspaper, um, you know, that was kind of like a side hobby. It wasn't deep journalism. Like these were Mm -hmm. little articles. It was athlete of the week. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't even sometimes here's the thing. I was starting out. I wouldn't even interview the athlete. Like we just write their stats, you know, like this. It was just Mm -hmm. like, like a very genesis of the career. But as you move through it and you talk to people, you kind of learn how to build onto it
0: as just a quick follow-up on that as an athlete do you find it's easier to relate to other athletes like if you talk to brady kachuk or tim stutzla because you were an athlete you kind of have that connection already
1: well i've i've been asked this before and i never i don't really actually bring up with these guys that i'm an athlete or that i was an athlete because i don't think they care (laughs) and i'll put it this way so, you know actually i was having um dinner with some of my ubc volleyball girlfriends a couple a couple um months ago and they asked that same question they like do you ever say you know things like that to the players and i'm like well listen to this what if i were to say this question let's say they win a really big game the, the senators and i was like oh you know like i remember when i played ubc volleyball and we won this huge game and we were the underdog You know, does that is that what it feels like? Like to me, it's just kind of narcissistic. Like, I don't need to bring that up. But where it does give me confidence is I'm like, ooh, I might, I might honestly, there's been there's so many times in a game where I'm like, oh, I remember doing something that felt like that. So I'm like, I know how excited they are, or I know maybe how disappointed they are. So then that gives me confidence to dig into that feeling a little more. And I you know what though, that might not be how that athlete feels. Like just because Claude Giroux had this amazing game. And he feels really good and it's about his team. I might ask him a question, be like, you know, how good did that feel, or whatever? And he might be like, actually, I'm not really caring about myself. It's about the team. So you might think one way, but that athlete feels a different way. But it just I, I feel like I know how they're feeling sometimes. And so that's where I can dig into that emotion. But it's not like I bring it up with them, if yeah. that makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, I yeah, know. That 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 makes a lot of sense to me. I want to ask, as, as a woman, and like, how did how did you break through as a woman in the sports media industry, and in, in, especially in such a male dominated field? And, and what advice would you give to young women coming up in in the industry?
1: I always think this is a funny question because people are like, "How did you break through as a woman?" I'm like, it wasn't because I was a woman that it was hard, or a male that it's hard. I think it's just a hard industry to break into, okay. regardless of gender. I do not feel like I ever didn't have an opportunity, or it was harder because I was a woman. To be completely honest, and that's what I really want to hit home here, because um, it's a lot of hard work in this industry because it's so competitive, and a lot of people want these jobs, so you have to be good at what you do. Um, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't think there was any job that I was not considered for because I was a woman. Like, I, I, yeah, anyways, that's really important for me to say. Mm-hmm. There's things and it's funny, even when we were doing this podcast and I was asking if it was a visual medium, like I have to do my I feel like as women Mm -hmm. and as men, looks are more important or like looks, sorry, regardless of your gender, it's important to look good on television because it's a visual medium. But for women, it takes us a little longer to get ready. Like I didn't do my hair this morning, whatever. But, you know, I have to do my hair. I have to do my makeup. And those things probably take me 15, 20 minutes if I rush. For a guy, I can see them. They just pat a little foundation on their face. 30 seconds, a minute, they're ready to go. So that's something as a woman that, you know, that takes away from prep time. Like, I hate that. I'm like, I wish I could just go on TV without makeup and use that extra time to research or go through my stories, things like that. Um, And I'm trying to think of other things. But there's, there's one thing I will say, and sometimes in the locker room, like I try to you know, and I'm not talking about the Senator's locker room. I'm talking about locker rooms in general. Um, And I, I will say, I think the Senator's locker room is really professional. I've never had this issue um, here in Ottawa, but sometimes like they're, the guys might just like treat you a little different. Okay. And I, I don't, but, but for the most part, I've really run into professional athletes. And I think it's also about the vibe I give them back. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas men might not have that issue okay. but i've heard stories but really i can't give you one that i could experience mm-hmm. like like i've heard stories that guys will throw their like room keys at female reporters mm-hmm. you know yeah. but i've never had that happen to me so anyways mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just share that with you but i feel like i've been lucky in this industry in that mm-hmm. i've never felt there's an extra hurdle because i'm a woman
0: okay I wanted to to move to the Senators. Uh, uh, like the team you cover day in and day out. They have a very tough schedule and they lost those pretty badly on the weekend uh, against Vancouver and Calgary. Do you still think there's a way for them to to sneak into the playoffs or is it is the hurdle too too much now after those losses?
1: I think it's too much. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this actually yesterday for a long time. And I think even when they won those two games against Detroit and, you know, they started going on the heater and there was all this belief, even then it was hard. But at that point you were like, Ooh, you can look at the numbers. And I think there was a point where they had to go 14, six and one after, maybe after those two Detroit wins and you're like, that's possible, but this is a tough schedule. They've got ahead. So they've only got these like six, six losses possible with teams like Toronto twice. I believe Bruins, Carolina twice. Um, Now that they've lost those games against teams that they should have won, especially that Chicago game. And I shouldn't shouldn't say shouldn't should have won because DJ Smith makes a great point. Every team in this league is good on any night they can bring it. And there's no easy games, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really, really hard. And I think if they end up in a playoff position, it's going to be a movie (laughs) (laughs) like that's how tough I think it is at this point. But to that point Alex I don't think that means this season is a failure because I think that they were really trying to play these meaningful games in March and these are still meaningful games because everybody knows they still have a chance and that was the goal the goal was to get these experiences play in pressure situations figure out how do you how do you handle losing against Calgary and Vancouver and then come into the Oilers you know and then Colorado How do you raise your game? And I think that these are still going to be pressure situations where there's a lot of learning opportunities. So I would still, to me, this season is a success because of Mm -hmm. the position they've still put themselves in March, but I just don't think they're going to make the playoffs.
0: And I wanted to to go to the chicken move that Sens fans got so excited about, and they finally got that top uh, four defensemen. How good has Chikrin been so far in his, I think, six games for the Senators? And and in your mind, who's his ideal defensive partner? Do you play him on the left? Do you play him on the right? What what do you think of his game and, and where to play him in the lineup?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think everybody would agree that he's just fit in so seamlessly. And remember how many games he was healthy scratched for with Phoenix? It wasn't, it wasn't, or sorry, with Arizona. It, it was like he came in and didn't miss a beat, and I, I thought we'd see a bit of rust on him, um, but he clearly has the same mentality. He's kind of the same age group as these guys, so I think, you know, he's, he's how everybody expected, but he's probably exceeded expectations to some extent. Ooh, his, his perfect D partner. Well, because he's got that ability to play on the left and the right side, I I think you just put him on the right because mm-hmm. those are harder to find and he's he's pretty elite. Um, maybe it's Sanderson, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe that's his permanent guy. Uh, but but I will say I think everybody thinks Sand- Sanderson and Hamannik have been a really good duo. Um, but maybe that's his guy. Maybe it's Thomas Shabbat. Mm-hmm. But I, I actually I really like um putting sanderson and Chikrin together because i've got to look this up i think sanderson's 21 years old they're both young and they can kind of grow together there and i think that's a really special opportunity like maybe maybe you focus on some long-term chemistry and making them like you know a unit to be reckoned with in the nhl so yeah, I'll, I'll put that out right now. I, I'm not a coach, you know, I'm not an analyst, but I'll lob that one out there <laughs> okay. for you, Alex.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. And I wanted to go to, to, to another young player in Tim Stutzlow who's had an amazing <laughs> year. Um, what has he done in your game to really improve to become a over a point of game player in, in your mind?
1: Well, I actually want to go to his face-off ability because mm. I think that's like one thing that I've seen. I, I only like to talk about what I've seen and I've seen mm. him really work on that. Um, the first year I covered this team, which was only last year. I remember he, he and Josh Norris worked on the face-offs a lot because he was like, you know, I've got to start taking these. I need to go to a guy who's good. He, I think he worked a lot with Claude Giroux this year when, and sometimes we don't see it all the time because we have to like run and do interviews and they're still practicing on the ice. I wish I had a clone or at least could like creep on practices at the end, because that's where you see guys working on a lot of fun things. Um, so that's been one major area of improvement and just um. I think his ability to hold on to the puck a little longer because before when he was, when he was younger, he, I think would kind of like panic and get rid of it. But now he knows he's got that skill and even a bit more like size and strength to just hold on to it and not lose it and therefore control it longer, maybe make a pass at a more, you know, opportune time. And so, and with that is confidence. So that's to me where we're seeing, I, I think I've seen a lot of his growth and he's so exciting. Like where he's still only like, I think he's 23, 22.
0: I think he's 21.
1: maybe. Or you're He's 21. He's 21. Yeah. You're right. Cause I'm like, wait, last year he turned 20, he turned 21. You're right. But like, look, yeah. look at that. He's yeah. so, he's a baby yeah. and his, his ceiling, like, you know, that he hasn't even come close to it, which is pretty, a pretty awesome prospect for Sens fans.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to to go to, to Giroux a little bit. What what has he brought to the team as a veteran to kind of m- mentoring guys like Kachuk, Stutzer, like it's such a young team. What has he really yeah. brought to the sense this year?
1: Well, I think last year when he wasn't with the team, you saw a lot of dramatic highs and lows from the Senators. They mm-hmm. would have these big drop-offs and then, and then they'd have these massive wins and get really excited. And I think what Claude brings, and he said this earlier in the season – he's like, you don't let the highs get too high and you don't let the lows get too low. I think for mm-hmm. him, it's this steadiness. And that's something that's going to be, you know, if they are to make a playoff push here, I think that's the steadiness this team needs because they're in a rut right now and this rut could end their season. But if you don't let your mind get too focused with the fact that you've lost these games and you just kind of go into the Oilers game or where whatever the next games are, with the feeling like okay this steadiness that's really important I think Claude tries to remind the team of that mm-hmm. and and that this is a long season and that they still have a month of hockey left and and then he he I, I bring this up in a lot of interviews because when they're at practice he is almost like a coach on the ice and mm-hmm. I wanted to I don't want to ask him about his future career because that suggests that maybe he's getting close to the end of it. And I feel like he's a little sensitive about yeah. his age. Like he's been <laughs>
0: amazing this year. He's a, a point of game, right? So yeah.
1: Yeah. So I don't think he's slowing down anytime. But I just sense that maybe he sees himself as a coach one day because of some of the um drills or he, he'll be up on the whiteboard um at practice, just kind of running guys through a power play, you know, or something he thinks they should do. And so I see that leadership in in a, a bigger role than just as a player, which is really cool. And I mean, the guys clearly respect him and listen to him because why wouldn't you? He's Claude Giroux. Um, but I think he's brought in so many intangibles to this team that are really hard to define that are so important.
0: And I wanted to go to Giroud a little bit. Go, go off that. Obviously, he has ties to the city. Chikrin has ties to the city, and and uh, uh, Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla and so many others. Chabot are signed long term, and and people have been asking all year about Alex Dabrinka and his potential extension. Mm-hmm. Do you think having guys like that that really want to be Ottawa Senators will maybe impact his decision? And and how likely do you think it is that he'll he'll stay long term?
1: Yeah, I actually I was thinking about how many players now have ties to the team. Derek Broussard as well, yeah. right? And there's something about playing for for that jersey logo that you've grown up watching. Um but how that factors in to Alex DeBrinkert. I've been really thinking about this. And I think that there was hints made along the way this season that it took Alex DeBrinkert a little while to feel comfortable here because um he moved his wife and his I think his son. I I I know he has a child. I think it's a son here and He, again, is is a young dad, and those things are not easy. Moving cities is tough. Um, And I think for him it took a little while to get adjusted here because he had so much comfort in Chicago, especially with Patrick Kane. Mm -hmm. And everybody's talking about how his numbers have dipped a little bit here, but he had one of the best, like, forwards and and passers in the NHL with him for a long time in Chicago – And you can't just replicate that, regardless of how good this team is. But this team that he's stepping into kind of lacks, you know, first of all, chemistry for him and and some of some of that. Anyways, I could see him. I could see them wanting to extend him here. But I also feel like they want to feel that out because he's a restricted free agent, Um, you know, and maybe you just just see how he adapts even in the end of the season here not adapts but how how does he what does he continue to bring because I think for some of it's just been bad bounces
0: like Mm -hmm. he's had
1: some really crazy chances and I'm like okay he just runs into a hot goalie a lot just on even some angles um so I think I think he fits in mentally kind of like Jacob Chikrin the same sort of mentality to this group and um it's just a matter of When's that when's it going to snap for him like I could see him easily being a 50 goal scorer next year just because it just happens to click and it didn't quite click this year.
0: I, I wanted to before I let you go, what do you know about the auto like the new senators ownership process and, and any indication of how likely Ryan Reynolds would be involved with and, and what do you think just new ownership and maybe Reynolds as the face of the franchise could do to the franchise in the city of Ottawa.
1: Yeah, well, I I heard that the bids have now been received by the NHL. So it's now the NHL is going to evaluate them and then make their decision, which is really a cool time to be covering this team. I'm starting to get the impression oh, that maybe that that Brian Manolds might not be a part of this. And, and that the only reason I say that is because he aligned himself with that Remington group. And from my understanding, the Remington group doesn't have NHL ownership experience. Mm-hmm not to say the nhl wouldn't choose them but i think the nhl might take a conservative approach and take one of the other bidders that does have experience running an nhl team because it's a it's a big deal and you want to keep ottawa here yeah. um but also the fact that part of that bid is building the new arena and the remington group comes with construction experience mm-hmm. it is so exciting um so it could it could and part of me wonders If Ryan Reynolds might tip the scales in favor of the Remington group, because that's the one he's aligned with, and that the NHL takes a bit of a risk there. Um, But if the NHL chooses another group, what I've been wondering is, do they say, okay, we're, we're going with you guys, but you have to include Ryan Reynolds in some respect. But I wonder if Ryan Reynolds is he wants to have a larger role. And if he doesn't have that large role, does he just step away? That's where there's a lot of different factors at play here. But if he is involved with this team, I think it changes not only the Ottawa Senators, but the league because he will draw in a totally different audience. Um, You know, I think about how popular Deadpool is. Mm -hmm. And, And even if you just pay attention a little bit more to the NHL, you know, just flip around or even look on his Twitter and look at the Ottawa Senators Twitter page, like that's attracting a different audience. And I mean... Maybe they get a Netflix show. Hey, yeah, yeah, that like would wrecking. be awesome. And then, like, look at how many eyeballs you've got. Like, you know, there's been so many the Formula One Netflix show. What did that do? All this stuff. So it's just to me, it has a chance to domino, but it all comes down to who does the NHL choose as their suitor. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Claire. I really appreciate the time. I just wanted to give you the floor. Is there anything you want to plug for TSN or anything people? should should listen or keep their eyes and ears open for uh with you and, and tsn coming up well
1: i'm gonna say watch tsn watch our broadcast we've got the colorado game that's one of ours coming up um and then the next week oh i should look at my schedule but yeah watch tsn okay. and also just yeah watch alex you got a great podcast going so thanks for having me
0: thanks so much for taking the time and uh i hope uh they win a couple games and they get back close into the playoff hunt
1: we'll see what happens.